Nation Tuesday on this May the 11th in the year of our Lord 2021. And we're taking a look at the hymn entitled Up Through Endless Ranks of Angels. And that hymn was written by Yaroslav Vajda, V-A-J-D-A, born April the 28th, 1919 in Lorraine, Ohio. He was the son of a Slovak Lutheran pastor. Began his ministerial training at Concordia Junior College in Fort Wayne, Indiana, where I attended the senior college. And he entered Concordia Seminary, earning his degrees in 1941 and 1944. He became editor and book developer for Concordia Publishing House, guiding some two hundred books from concept to publication until his retirement in 1986. He wrote more than 200 original hymns, carol texts, and translations. And he received honorary doctorates from Concordia College, Nebraska, Concordia College, St. Paul's, Concordia Seminary, Fort Wayne, Valparaiso University, and Concordia Seminary in St. Louis. He died May the 10th in the year of our Lord, 2008. Now, the composer of the hymn is a really good friend of mine, Henry V. Gerke. In fact, when he moved to St. Louis to train for uh, the pastorate, I rented him a mobile home that I owned. He was born in 1948, and he has completed his doctorate, or the MDiv, I should say, at Concordia Seminary in St. Louis, Missouri. He wrote this tune entitled Ascended Triumph. And when I was uh, preaching a number of times at the headquarters of the Lutheran Church, Missouri Synod. He was the organist that often played the hymns that we had. So that's kind of the background of the author and the composer as we get ready to take a look at the hymns. Uh, what do you think of this hymn, Pastor Mark Smith? Well, I tell you, Ascension hymns are kind of rare. We don't have too many Ascension hymns in the hymnal. And so I appreciate every one of them. We are going to use this. This is the the hymn of the day, appointed hymn of the day for Ascension, and we're going to use this this coming Sunday. We we recognize we have the emphasis on the Ascension the following Sunday. Oh yeah, yeah, because you're not having a Ascension service on Thursday. No. Yeah, there are uh, only about six hymns for the Ascension, and this is, as you indicated, the hymn. For Ascension Day, it's four verses long, has a great tune to it, and uh, I think we'll be singing it also because we're doing a similar item as you are, combining Ascension with the seventh Sunday of Easter. So without further ado, would you please read stanza one? Certainly. Up through endless ranks of angels, cries of triumph in his ears. 
to his heavenly throne ascending, having vanquished all their fears. Christ looks down upon his faithful, leaving them in happy tears. Yes, uh, we had a conversation about this, uh, dealing with some churches have what's called the Christ candle. And um, what was your practice at your former congregation when that candle would be lit? Well, we always lit the Christ candle on uh, Christmas Eve. Yes. For us, we, we departed, I think, from some of the tradition. We, we kind of established our own tradition. This was at Prince of Peace Lutheran Church in Crestwood. And we yes. would light the Christ candle on Christmas Eve, and that would remain lit all through the winter and through, uh, through Epiphany, through Lent, through Easter, and we finally removed the Christ candle. We, we removed the whole candle uh, at the, right after the, the Ascension. It would, on, Asc- on Ascension Sunday, it would be gone. And uh, we'd, then we'd bring it out again with the Advent wreath the following uh, fall. But you wouldn't have it out at all between Ascension all the way to the Advent. No, that's right. Yes. Yeah, I heard, uh, well, at St. Paul de Pere, the congregation which we're affiliated with, what they do is that they'll take that Christ candle, and as they're reading the gospel for ascension, they extinguish it. And that indicating that Christ now has left earth to be in heaven, although he's still with us all the time because he's everywhere, but that's how they do it there. Yes, yes. And that's fine. I uh, uh I don't know, it's a little bit like <laughs> I don't you know that I think is that is the more established of the traditions, but for me that's a little bit like putting the Christ light out, <laughs> you know what I mean? But uh but that is the way it it's done, I guess properly, and I have no problem with that. I mean these these things are what we call adiaphora, they're uh the, the use of candles are neither commanded nor forbidden by the scriptures. Now, the verse says cries of triumph in his ears. From whom are those cries coming? Oh, those would be from, I would imagine, all the uh, the ranks and upon ranks of angels, as well as the, the, the saints in heaven. Yes, because there are saints there, namely from the Old Testament. Right. And to his heavenly throne ascending. That's really taught in the scripture. This actually is from Acts uh, chapter 1, where it talks about the ascension of Christ into heaven. And you don't think of it that he goes through endless ranks of angels. Remember in the Garden of Gethsemane, only one angel came uh, to help him at that time. There were no angels at the cross, but the ranks of angels. And what do we mean by ranks of angels? Ranks upon ranks of them? I mean, they're just, you know, the myriads and myriads of angels are just innumerable. You can't count them all. Yeah, I had a question. Remember, once. he said, he said, don't you realize I have 12 legions of angels I could call upon any time I wanted to if I wanted to uh, reverse the work of those crucifying me. I had a question once asked me for which there's no answer in the Bible. And the way I answered it, I said, I'll answer your question if you can answer mine. And he said, okay, what's your question? And I said, uh, what's the difference 
between a cherubim, a seraphim, and other ranks of angels? And they said, I don't know. And I said, I don't know your answer either. Well, all I know is seraphim have six wings. Uh, I don't think it speaks of the cherubim as having wings. Maybe it does. But the seraphim have six wings. Well, what was um, the angel that visited Mary, Gabriel? That uh, that was a that was a an archangel. Yes, Gabriel was an excellent. archangel. Yeah. See, and we don't know the distinctions between those at all. No. But uh, we'll find out when we get to heaven. Right. And having vanquished all their fears, Christ looks down upon his faithful, leaving them in happy tears. Now, if they're happy, why do they have tears? Well, tears of joy. Yes. I mean, it's emotional. It was emotional time for those disciples to look up into heaven and to see the last, their last visible glimpse of Christ as he was hid finally from them uh, by the by the clouds. And so it was an emotional time for them to see their to see their master and their and their rabbi and their and their savior ascend. And yet, I, I'm pretty sure it mentions that they they returned to Jerusalem with great joy. Yes. Yes. In fact, I once asked the question, did Jesus ever appear on earth after his ascension? Yes. To, uh, uh, to John on the Isle of Patmos. Now, that was a vision. State. That was a vision. Uh-huh. Okay. Well, how I'm about thinking... uh, how about to Paul uh, or yep. Saul on on the road to uh Damascus. Damascus, right. Excellent. That's very good. Yes. Okay. There You don't he... think you wouldn't count you wouldn't count that instance where he appeared on the Isle of Patmos. That you think that's that's not uh, I see I I see that being Jesus in his glorified state. Yeah, there's no doubt about it, because in chapters 2 and 3, those are the seven message of Jesus to the churches. Uh-huh. But I don't think um, that Paul was in a vision when that happened on the road to Damascus. But you don't think that was a—you you think that was strictly a vision of him on Patmos? Well, that's what it says. Okay, it says that. Okay. Yes. All right. All right. So— but I'll take your word for it, Tom. I, I'm not. Well, don't take my word for it. Read the Bible. Oh, the, you're right. The Bible, right? <laughs> yes. All righty. <laughs> I'll read stanza two. I bet that, I know what you're going to talk about in stanza two. I'm going to talk about what it says. I know what you. I know you like a book. I know exactly what you're going to say. All <laughs> Go right. Ahead. Death destroying, life restoring. Proven equal in to our need, now for us before the Father, as our brother, intercede. Flesh that for our world was wounded, living for the wounded plead. So what am I going to say? I think you're going to refer to Revelation chapter 5 where Jesus, the Lamb of God, appears in heaven's high court, and, they, and everybody is saying, who is capable of opening the scroll with the seven seals? And it's the Lamb, Jesus, 
who is he alone is able to open the scroll with he's equal to the task of opening the scroll with the seven seals. And yeah, it that's says, it says uh, life restoring proven proven equal to our need. He was the only one that could f- fulfill the role of our redemption. Yes, I have a number of favorite things in the Bible. That's my favorite chapter. And that's because when I was being taught by Professor Brighton about the book of Revelation, I hadn't realized that chapter 5 was really about the ascension of Jesus coming into yes. heaven. Yes, and it's, so, the, it's the other, it's the other, it's his destiny when he, when he, he ascends it from the Mount of Olives to heaven's high court. Yes, and he sits at the right hand of God, and we too have ascended with him, according to Ephesians. We've died, we've risen from the dead, and we're also at the right hand with Jesus, because wherever the body is, that's him as the head and us as parts of the body. That's right. Wherever the head is, so are the body. Right. That's right. Okay. Stanza three. To our lives of wanton wandering, send your spirit promised guide. Through our lives of fear and failure, with your power and love abide. Welcome us as you were welcomed to an endless Eastertide. Now, how do you understand Eastertide? Eastertide are, well, like uh, we've, this coming Sunday, the Sunday after the Ascension, the, the Ascension's actually Thursday, and the Sunday after the Ascension is the seventh Sunday of Easter. Yes. Eastertide is, is the, uh, the ensuing uh, season. We're, we're, still, we're still technically in, this, in the uh, season of Easter until, uh, well, I think the seventh Sunday is the last one, right? Yes. Because then, uh, soon after uh, the ascension, of course, is the outpouring of the Holy Spirit on Pentecost. That's Pentecost, exactly. Yeah. So this is Easter tide, the time of the Easter celebrations, right? And it says, "Send your spirit, promise guide." Now, the word guide appeared in a lesson recently uh, dealing with a man named Philip. You recall? where that word was used? Who did Philip meet on the road? Oh, the Ethiopian eunuch. And he was reading from Isaiah, and Philip asked him. 53. Isaiah 53, right. Yes. Okay. He says, he asks him, um, what are you reading about, and what does the Ethiopian say? How do I know unless someone unless someone guides me? Yes. So who's the guide here in this verse? The Holy Spirit. Yes. The Holy Spirit is who guides us, and we receive the Holy Spirit in our baptism. So you not only have the ascension here, and you have also the baptism of our Lord uh, to us as we were baptized into the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. And therefore, through our lives of fear and failure, the Holy Spirit is our guide. Where would he be primarily a guide? Where would he be primarily a guide? Uh, throughout, our, throughout our Christian life. I mean, he, 
He enters our body through baptism and makes our body his temple. And so... uh, Well, from a law and gospel perspective, what I'm thinking about is in today's society, God is not a guide in many areas of ethics, but the Holy Spirit is our guide telling us the will of God from a law point of view. And then he is our guide uh, telling us how we can get rid of our lives of fear and failure. Okay, good. So that's a long gospel point of view that I wanted to bring up. And uh, we welcome him uh, to an endless Easter tide. And that's why the Christ candle is usually on during the time of Easter. Uh-huh. Okay. Now, final... In a, in a sense... In a sense, we have an endless Easter tide, in so far as every single Sunday is considered a little Easter. No, that's correct. Yes, you you don't really preach a sermon without bringing up Easter, the resur- resurrection, right? Yes, and and the gifts that one receives in Easter, uh, the forgiveness of sins, etc. So stanza three is actually a prayer for guidance by the Holy Spirit taken from John fourteen sixteen to 18. And it's a comfort in our trials until he returns to receive us to himself. All right. Would you read stanza four, please? Okay. And it's a doxological verse. It's got a triangle in front of it. That means it, it contains uh, the Holy Trinity. Alleluia, alleluia, oh, to breathe the Spirit's grace. Alleluia, alleluia, oh, to see the Father's face. Alleluia, alleluia, oh, to feel the Son's embrace. Yes, stanza four is, even though it's an expression of the Trinity, it is a more an expression of longing then a doxology, it's said. Yes. And what we're doing is longing for the Spirit, for the Father, and for the Son. Yes. It's kind of a it's it's uh it's kind of a it's a beautiful way of uh of praising all three persons of the Godhead. Uh to breathe the Spirit's grace and to uh, to see the Father's face, uh, you know, we talk about the beatific vision. See, you know, seeing our eyes, our, our eyes actually beholding God in all of His glory, and uh, and to feel the Son's embrace. You know, our our, our dearest friend and 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 brother and redeemer. Uh, that's that's a wonderful picture, you know, really of the of the heavenly reunion that we will experience uh, in heaven. Uh, to think that we will be able to embrace our dear Lord Jesus. Wow. Yeah. Now, Yaroslav, he actually wrote this hymn at the request of Augsburg Publishing House because they wanted a, a text to a tune that this hymn was doing at that time by Ludwig Matthias Lindemann. And so... That's what Yaroslav did. He wrote the text for this tune. And 
originally, Augsburg House wanted to change the first word uh, from up to there. So their translation is there through endless ranks of angels. And they did that, they said, because they wanted to avoid uh, a three-tiered universe imagery. Now, I haven't heard that much about that, have you? No, not at all. That's interesting. They wanted to avoid a three-tiered imagery. Yes, of the universe. Of the universe, huh? You got the earth, then you got the angels, and then you got God. Uh Uh-huh. But it's clear that the angels were before God, even the devil. And Jesus sees him falling to earth. Right. Which indicates he can no longer accuse the saints day and night. And we have, instead of a prosecuting attorney in the devil, we now have a defense attorney, namely Jesus himself. Yeah. That's a great, that's a great way of putting it. You, you, you realize that a lot of people don't know that much about the ascension because even if they have an ascension service, it's not as attended as well. Now, the congregation we join, it is well attended because they have the orchestra playing. And mm-hmm. it's really quite a worship service. And, and then there's singers, and so they bring their families and things like that. But it's going to be interesting as we move through this season how much the virus is going to keep people from coming to church. Uh, at your church, is it seen a, a lot of uh, lesser congregation numbers? Well, we we have two services so for uh, social distancing. Uh, this is out at St. Paul's in Wildwood. Yes. Uh, and it's, it, they're, the attendance is, is fairly good in spite of the... Uh, in spite of Good. COVID, uh, and we also have uh, live streaming as well. To um, come to Wildwood, what time are your services on Sunday? Uh, 8.30 a.m. and 10.30 a.m. We have about a 40-minute Bible class in between. In between, yes. Yes, in between those two services. 8.30 yeah. and 10.30. Right. Yeah, the former pastor there was a member of my congregation, Steve Rudin, who right. married my Sunday school teacher, or chairman of the Sunday school. And so you, so, lost your, you lost your Sunday school teacher to uh, Pastor Rudin. Well, they were also doing a wonderful job as youth counselors, and uh-huh. my kids went through them, and it was just really amazing to have them. I'm not that good with uh, youth in those areas, and, and they were just spectacular. Mm-hmm. Well, thank you very much. Up through endless ranks of angels. You're singing it Sunday. I'm singing it also. And on tomorrow's Law and Gospel, we'll be taking a look at another item that we hope will be of interest to you. I'm Tom Baker, and you've been listening to also Pastor Mark Smith. Get to attend his congregation if you're looking for one in Wildwood. And look for us tomorrow. Tom Baker, God bless you.
Listen to Law & Gospel each weekday morning at 9.30 on KFUO. For a tax-deductible gift to Law & Gospel, please make your check payable to Concordia Mission Society and mail it to Tom Baker, P.O. Box 28910, St. Louis, Missouri, 63132. To give online, visit lawandgospel101.com or call toll-free 1-877-267-1962. Views and opinions expressed on Worldwide KFUO may not represent the official position of the management or ownership of KFUO, the Lutheran Church, Missouri Synod. If you'd like to comment on programs or topics heard on Worldwide KFUO, write us at KFUO, 1333 South Kirkwood Road, St. Louis, Missouri, 63122. You can also leave a question or comment on our comment line at 314-996-1542. We are the messenger of good news, Worldwide KFUO.